Welcome to Journey Eminence Thief podcast. This is a part of a ongoing festival series that I have called Book Lunch. And the guest for this book lunch is, I'm going to pronounce your name properly, hopefully. Laurie, say it once, Laurie, so I can get Verhamen. it. Verhamen. Verhamen. Verhamen, who among many, many things, is the author of one of the best jazz books ever written, in my opinion. And I had the opportunity to review it when it came out back in 2011. And it's about Bill Evans. And this is the book, The Big Love. This is, look at you, look at, that's you. Isn't that something? So I still have all those wrinkles. Yeah, well, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and I don't really know how to introduce you other than I was a fan of this book and that you, um, were a life partner, right, or a, or a soulmate of Bill Evans, I think, uh, at during a very interesting period, late 70s, 1980, 79, 80, right, which happens to be a period in which I feel he was doing his best work with that great trio with um, Joe LaBarbera, you know, and uh, it's just, um, so it's really remarkable you knew him, and it's remarkable you were close to one of the great one of the greatest pianists of the 20th century, actually. So that's a lot. And then you're also a writer and you're very serious about your writing and you wrote this beautiful book. And you're also interested, I, I believe in um, spiritual matters, I think, quite serious about them. And you're also Ukrainian as was Bill Evans. And so there's so much to talk about. I don't quite know where to begin. I don't know, you're the guest, so I guess you can you can say what comes to your mind or, you know. Well, I want to thank you, Mitch, for asking me to come on your little podcast thingy. And it's the first time I ever did one of these live podcast thingies. Oh. So okay. I thought you would be a great person to just have a casual conversation with, like kind of like we're at a coffee shop meeting for the first time. Right. Maybe a coffee shop in Paris or something. Right. Or New Orleans or or maybe yeah. Boston or Well, you want it to be Boston because I because I lived there for 30 years, right? So that's kind of yeah. a long time. So we could talk a little bit about that, about your life in Boston. Well, you know, I was there for a long time because uh that was I thought I was gonna die there, you know. Um I'm 54 and that was I really like being there and it was just, it was kind of a place for me to do my music and to work for the beauty business, you know, and um, um, because you mentioned Aubrey Organics and that, you know, I was selling for them and doing something, but then that they fired me. It's really comp complicated, this really unfortunate, complicated business in 2017. And then I had to sell where I live and I moved in this strange rural town here and outside of Asheville. So that's that's pretty the long and short of it. But when I was there, I had a lot of very interesting experiences. And I start I was starting right before I left or I was kicked out or wherever you want to put it, I was starting to do solo piano concerts in Cambridge. And that's when I invented, that's when I developed my easy hard listening style of music. I have two albums called Hard Listening One and Two. And I don't want to talk too much about myself or about that because that's not, you know, this is your your show, but um that's kind of what I was doing. And and, um, and then I came here and, and I was reunited with my 
the Steinway piano I grew up with. So, so this is from 1978, this piano. It was, and um, I was divorced from this piano for 30 years because it did not fit where I lived in Massachusetts. There was no room for it. I was in these little apartment, right? So, um, so that's the, is that too much information or enough information? I wanted to. Um, it sounds like a happy ending. Well, because of the piano. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I um, there's so many things to discuss about your life and about Bill Evans. And I'm like, what comes to your mind first about those years? And you were a cocktail waitress, right? Or something like that in Vancouver. And you're in Mm, yeah, that's what they they put in the Wikipedia de definition. That was a cocktail waitress, but I I went in and I rewrote it and I wrote no, she was a writer. But then they right. went in and rewrote it and said I was a cocktail waitress and a writer. So it's like I was saying earlier about all the levels. You know, levels, we yeah. we are all those levels all the time, and yeah, I had a lot of really interesting jobs. Right. Or I don't even know if you call them occupations, but one time I was a shoe shine girl because I was trying That's to good. work on a play that involved being an orphan. And I thought, oh, I'll be a shoe shine girl. That'll give me the feeling of like selling pencils on the corner. Right. Um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think my life has been really creative and unusual because I haven't always chosen the straight ahead path. Um, no. Of um, mm. of the relative world of, oh, say finance or um, I don't know, just like material possessions. All those things didn't haven't ever really attracted me yet. I could get attracted to them. Sure, could still. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I I wondered to get your feelings since you're here about how you felt reading reading my review in back in 2011 of this book. And did you know the book would be a big hit and a cult classic? And did you, and of course, when I, when I was talking about that one job you had, I met, I met only in those years when you met Mr. Evans, but Evans, I didn't mean, of course, many things after that. I was just trying, I'm just trying to get it all. But what, what was your, cause I was trying to write a review that was a little bit, um, that talked about why I thought the book was important. But then I also had some things that were uncharacteristically for me, sort of polemical and political about women's writing being neglected or, or in the culture and a, there were some lines like that. And that's unusual for me to write that way, but that's how I felt at the time. I stand by it, but of course, I don't know what you, did you want to talk about when you first heard Bill Evans or met Bill Evans or is that too? Um, too, too yeah, correct? so that's a really big, Part of the book is where I when I meet Bill because of course everyone has their moment of meeting Bill Evans, you know like mm -hmm. that's a universal experience for anyone who's a listener. They have their moment of meeting Bill on a very intimate level just through the power of his music, and so that's how I met him too was uh, hearing him perform live. Of course, I was really lucky to be able to be alive at the time he was alive and hear him play. Um, but yeah, I think every listener who discovers Bill has that same intimate moment with him where they feel like he has touched their soul. And then, then they recognize that they have a soul and that's always so uh, shocking and surprising. 
if you if you've been living a repressed life. Yeah. Did you want to read a passage from the book at all? Or? I mean, since oh, today sure, is today is May thirty first, did you want to read read from May thirty first? Was that a little too the part the part that leads up to the to the big event? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it's very okay. Okay, sure. It's very intimate, and I don't know. Again, we're a, it is very intimate. Or a PG thirteen or R rated uh, show, but I don't know. Or anything you want to read. But it's just part of the significance of the song, you know, the great song. And, uh, and, uh, but. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I probably told you what page that's on, didn't I? I did. 61. There. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where should I start? I think I won't start at the top of the page. I'll just start at the morning. Morning comes quickly. Yeah, it does. Bill has been up all night. He says he's too exhausted to drive me to the airport for my flight back to Edmonton, but that he has arranged a cab for me. I've carefully arranged my suitcase to accommodate the albums he has given me from his private collection of his own recordings. The solo album, New Conversations, the orchestral album with Klaus Ogerman, Symbiosis, a duo album with the bassist Eddie Gomez, Intuition, a trio album, I Will Say Goodbye, a duo album with Tony Bennett, Together Again. I pretend to be very nonchalant about this parting Secretly, I'm very disappointed to have to go back to Edmonton. I'm not looking forward to seeing that Yeg ticket on my luggage. Mm. What do I have to look forward to? My teenage boyfriend? My waitressing job at Cosmos, the Greek restaurant? Bosch has already moved on, this time to Vancouver. I can't imagine anything being able to top this experience here in New York with Bill. I'm checking my purse to make sure I have some cuticle cream to take on the plane. It's always so dry on the plane. When Bill reaches over and hands me the composition he's been working on, the top of the chart has my name, Lori, written in all in caps, and next to it is the date, May 31st, with an actual time, 2.30 a.m. At the bottom, his inscription, for Lori, who inspired this song with love. With this one act, he connects me to him eternally and divests himself of me instantly. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's writing. That's prose, right? I, that's how I feel about it. So. Laurie, can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can. I'm just waiting for the next thing. <laughs> what are we going to do next, Mitch? There's a little bit it's of interesting. Delay. Like your, yeah, it's interesting your response to me reading that. And then <clears throat> I often think, I often wonder, uh, you know, because my experience of it is what it is, but for other people, it's a very different experience because they have a their own special relationship to Bill. It's like being in a really big family, you know, and every sibling has a different relationship to the parents. And so uh, when I first wrote the book, I was very, very afraid that people would would rip me apart, actually, for having said things that were maybe too real or they, you know, tarnished their image of Bill. And you, or, you understand, you understand, Lori, that I wrote the review I did. I was your cheerleader in 2011. I was like, this is, my feeling is that this is what a book should be. My feeling is that this was a book written from a place of pure love for Bill Evans and compassion. And it was sort of like my way of um, preemptively, I don't know what the word is, trying to, so I need to be some crap out there. And I was trying to say, well, this is what it is. And so I was kind of waving the flag for the book at that time. And so I still feel that way about the book. And I still feel it's, um, yeah. If that makes and any sense. I'm so grateful. I'm really grateful for that, Mitch. And I am truly grateful for how my book was received because none of those things happened. People didn't, people loved having that experience there were a few people who just thought right away like no this experience not for me but yeah. for the people who did read the book they i think they got they got yeah. an experience that they might not otherwise get and and maybe they got that experience because they they were interested in bill but there there was a deeper experience in the book than than just a book about bill yeah. Well, the book is about the book has a lot of. The, 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 book, the uh, book has a lot of. It's it's a it's a portrayal of an era too, like there's a lot of stuff about the '70s in the book and the, right, like the Levin shopping with Philly Joe Jones, these these lime green uh, leisure suits at J.C. Penney's and the Playboy Club. Like, do you ever are you ever in contact with those? women from the club that are mentioned or what happened to them that are in the book now? Um, I don't think I'd remember their real names. Like, I don't, I don't know if I even named them in the book. I don't know if I, I well, you had names, probably, but I, I, well, I guess the answer is no, I'm, I haven't been in touch with them. Well, I'm sure they're, they're, they're out there in the world doing something. I don't know. It's still, you know yeah. They wouldn't be that much older than me. They were that, probably, they might have been 10 years older than me, but so yeah. they're they're in their early 70s now or something, or middle 70s. And then there were things like the Merv Griffin show, which is amazing, that Bill Evans was on the Merv Griffin show and and things like yeah. that. Merv is uh, a very 70s kind of character, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and Merv Griffin, he's a piano player. So that's why probably he had Bill on the show because he, he himself, didn't he used to play on his show sometimes? He'd go over and sing and play. Occasionally. But he, he really, he was a big fan of Bill's and, and you could 
I mean, Bill did that show at the end and, yeah. and Merv came over at the end and he said, I want to be in that movie. That's right. Bill's music is so much like a, a movie soundtrack. And, mm. and so I am in that movie. Every day I'm in that movie because every day music pops up in my life that is, uh, reminds me that my life is a musical. Yeah. I mean, you describe yourself on your Facebook page as in a relationship with Bill Evans, right? Is that, that's what it says on your page. Um, and also, but there's many things that uh, you want to talk about. Um, well, I, I kind of want to ask about your spiritual practice, uh, which relates to his, his ascension, his, right, his passing and ascension or whatever. To, I don't know. Really, that's another yeah. thing. Too. Your book is... Um, and I wanted to ask about mail. I think that's the word in Canada and, and death and life. And so I'm open to discussing all these things, if only if you are. But um, because a, as you may or may not know, I'm very open minded and I and I and I feel, you know, so. Yeah, so I feel like in my experience with Bill, um, they didn't they didn't even have the word for this back then this was 40 years ago mm -hmm. i was like a hospice worker for mm. bill yep i was not just a hospice. i mean i wasn't just doing the hospice part but i was off also was his partner and his lover and his best friend but the deepest work i did was the hospice work of sitting with a person while they're dying <laughs> and that is such a there's a hook in that itself you know just sitting with people who are in that what i call a stage of uh, crossing the liminal bridge and you know people take their time going across that bridge and some people don't even recognize the bridge when they come to it but oh, others yeah. you know are, are prepared for that bridge and I think Bill was prepared in many, many ways. Yeah. And that I actually believe that Bill and I have been in many lifetimes together. Sure, and so sure. it was a natural thing for us to come together at the end of this particular life and, right. and have that experience together of, of being there for each other in a time of, um, in a profound time and in a profound way. So it took a long time for the culture, I believe, to catch up to that idea of embracing death and understanding death and possibly even looking forward to, to death if, if we can grasp it in the right way. And um, so then after that experience, I have been trying to find the words to describe that experience and how it, it prepared me for death. And so in writing the book, that was one of the ways of processing that experience. Yeah. And also um, I had done quite a bit of spiritual preparation before I wrote the book. So I had a, a way of understanding it myself. And then I was able to write it down in simple words so that others could understand it too. Right. 
I mean, I, I don't really know where the culture is with that because I'm not an expert on what I know that people have many different feelings about it and denial and, and acceptance and things. And um, I just feel the tone of your book was inspirational and the tone of your book was the right, the right thing. And that's why I kind of champion one of the reasons I champion a lot, but uh, I know that you're in several writers groups now. And I, I had spoken to you earlier that I think that David Rosh would be a good guest for our podcast. If you could put in a good word to him, that would be, I think he, uh, that's a, probably too far off topic, but I know that you do, you work with him, right? And you do, you do. Um, yeah. So David Roach is, um, David Roach was the second writer who uh, helped me with my book. The first writer was George Payerly. He was a, a local poet here on the coast. He had also written a few novels and uh, he was mainly an editor and he also had a print shop at one point he was printing books too so he's a very eccentric kind of character and he uh he told me if i ever wanted to write a book about bill about my experience with bill he would help me and so he did and i uh, i went to his study uh almost every morning uh with my pages that i had written longhand from the night before and then i would go visit him in his studio and he would be chain smoking in his little studio and maybe sometimes drinking some scotch and and then he would read my pieces and then he would just cry he would just like cry and then he would yeah. type it all up for me and then I'd go away and I'd write the next story and and I'd read it to him or he would read it silently and then he would cry and then he would write it up and so we did that for about three or four months and quite a bit of the story came out right then and then it got a little stalled out. And yeah. um, at the time I was raising my daughter. She, you know, I had a daughter when I was 40. In, uh, That's a good age to have a kid though, right? Yeah, 1997, I had a daughter at 40. And so I, think, I, think I was, yeah. yeah, I, and so I was raising her. I was a single mom, you know, oh, yeah. my daughter. I was working in a health food store. Selling oh, Aubrey products. And selling Aubrey Organic, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever that high, that high C deodorant? Is, yeah. I see deodorant. I miss it terribly with the, with the, with the, wow. The only musical Aubrey product that I remember. <laughs> e plus I three. So George helped me a lot. And then yeah. David Roach showed up in my little tiny town where I live, Roberts Creek. And he had just come from San Francisco. He was hot from a group with, uh, what's her name? Anne Lamott. He had Anne been Lamott. writing there. They were, yeah. Right. yeah, they were writing uh, in groups together in San Francisco. And then he had gotten um, a publishing deal with Penguin to write the Church of 80% Sincerity, which was based on his one-man show. And so David Roach approached me at the health food store and he said, I'm gonna start a writing group. Do you know anyone would be interested? And I was like, yeah, putting up my hand right now. Sure. And that was 15 years ago. And so we have been writing for 15 years. So the second half of my book was written on his couch. Oh, and wow. I would go 
to his couch every day. And he had a nicer room than George, but um, he had some nice Persian carpets to sure. stare into and stuff. And so we started writing together. And that's how I finished the last half of my book. And then a couple of other people joined our writing group. And one of them was my spiritual teacher, Lori O'Byrne. And she started writing with us. And she started writing her information that she she has from her spiritual path yeah. translated into more of an essay style. She's like an essayist. So she started writing with the group. And then she decided to edit my book for me. And she That's decided amazing. she decided what story should go in. And then she decided that her daughter should should produce the book for me. Her daughter is an artist. And she said, let my daughter produce the book. She'll make it beautiful. And so it went from being what I thought was going to be a coffee table book to becoming a, 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 a paperback. Yeah. And she put me on the cover like that. I would never have chosen picture of myself like that for the cover but so right. she made the book into something that ha actually has a whole other genre do you see what we you said we are one yeah we are one yes we are so i had so much help mitch like i feel like it was like a whole group of midwives all around me like birthing this book and you know, so it was it was very luxurious. Is it anything that anybody makes a help by other people, whether you hear about them or not, or anything that any anything is created? You think? I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, Bill Evans. Bill Evans was helped by uh, Tony uh, Scott, the clarinetist, and 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 Miles Davis, and all these people. So people, right? People. Well, uh, I think, you know, it's creative, creative energy and, you know, it's circular. Uh, so it, yeah. it's nice to be surrounded by people who you can have uh, profound conversations with. And, and, and that's yeah. essentially what my writing group is. It's just a way to have profound conversations, but we do it in the form of writing. Right. So what other things come to mind about your spiritual practice or um, mm. or where it is now or where it's going or, or where it's been? Or... Well, I think my spiritual practice came from a place of uh, deep mental unrest. And I have gone through some very dark times in my life where I felt very, very lost and needed to uh, find a way to create some new, to, well, I needed to tear down all my old belief systems and create new yeah. ones that will hopefully be more flexible yeah. and resilient. But I mean, all belief systems, you know, in the end it's poof, but you got to have some kind of, you got to have some kind of, you know, little thing to grasp onto while we're still yeah. roaming around on the planet. We got to have some, some, well, I mean, ways not being with each other, you know, emotional intelligence. So I, I, I've, I reached for spirituality to develop my emotional intelligence and men did it ever help. Right. It did. 
It relieved 95% of my suffering that I thought I had back then. But you can get new suffering anytime. But, you know, if you look at it in a very linear statistical way, that's an extraordinary amount of improvement. What was it? 95%? Is that what you said? 95%. That's like a, that's like what yeah, people used to call. I know. That's like what, that's what, I, what people. That's like what people used to call a cure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except there is no cure yeah. for suffering. Well, well, this of is course, right. your relationship yeah. is with right. it. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I that's I, and writing is such a great way of processing thoughts and feelings, and yeah. examining your belief systems, and yeah. looking at all of that. But so. I, I like to encourage people to write. Yeah. Just whatever they want, you know, just like who yeah. they are. Except put it outside of yourself. I mean, I write every day. Good, yeah. I mean, I write every day like I practice piano every day, actually. And you know, a lot Good. a lot of the writing the, a lot of the writing I do every day is for deadlines and things. You know, Good. because I do, I do posts and I have to write and it's um I feel like that the written word prose is its own art form is really something we don't, it's mysterious. Right. And you're, and you're writing a book about motherhood now, right? Do you mind me? Is yeah. that too real? Yeah. You want to talk about your current project about, about your, um, amount yeah. of time? Yeah. My, well, it's I've been writing my second book for 15 years or so now too, because I, I, got started on it. It's sort of the sequel to the big love because I mean, what happens to me after that, you know, then there was my whole life after that. And it, my second book is mainly about uh, motherhood because what happens to me after I meet Bill is that I, I have this insatiable, insatiable desire to be a caregiver because right. Bill has, has put that imprinted me so deeply with that. The great reward of of being the person that that keeps it all going and yeah. just yeah in mothering Bill it set me up to become a mother yeah. but then being a mother was like the most challenging part of my life I didn't think I would survive it truly <laughs> it seemed too much it was like too much for me to be a mother so then my book is really about that process of how do you be a mother when you when you're not capable of being a mother it's a, yeah. i really look forward to reading that and i'm gonna you're gonna tell me when that comes out right so i can write a thing about it and well i can I always just send you, i can always just send you some of my fresh writing and then you can just read it mitch because okay. the idea of like creating a whole other platform to publish another book it doesn't appeal to me that much because it was a lot of work to create the whole platform that i have uh, for my first book and um and i'm not actually actually i'm just not done with that first book yet because a lot of oh. different things still going um yeah so and ultimately my my get goal with the book is to have it be made into a film. So I have a lot of ideas oh. about the film and what that would be like and yeah. why I would have it made and yeah. yeah. So do you, that, mean a, do you mean a dramatic film? Of, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, a dramatic film from the 
my perspective from the Lori perspective. So the film so someone, be, like, someone like Chloe Savini would play you just to throw a name out of a hat or someone, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who would who would be Belevin's uh, I don't know. Well, who do you see as Belevin? I don't know why I picked Chloe Savini as you. I just see one I don't know why. That um just a name out of a hat. Carrie Mulligan or somebody, I don't know. I don't know, Bill Evans, uh, uh, well, it has to be the age that he was, right? I mean, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be like 50-year-old. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> okay. You could do it. I thought I thought you yeah. said Mark Revelo for a minute. I was Mark imagining Ruffalo. that. You know who he is, right? He's like a I DJ don't... kind of guy? Yeah. Oh, you don't know who. No. So is it time yeah, for me to play you my song, the virtual man. Vir I think because we're, we're going to do 40 minutes, right? And we're yeah. at 32 minutes now, so we got eight minutes, Mitch. So I'll play a two-minute thing. Okay. I'll, I'll be listening. Well, yeah, you're there. I don't yeah. believe it. This is um, Verhamen. 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 Food and nature. Food and nature. That's your nature. Yeah. Now you understand in the interest of time, I'm I'm only gonna play the condensed version. So you know, not a lot of so I mean to think about it.
Well. Yay, Mitch! <laughs> so I wrote that for this occasion. Isn't that crazy? That's great. That's so awesome. I'm honored. Thank you. That's great. It's um That's so good. It's a kind of a, a fearless thing to do. It is. And some would say some some might think hubristic. Um, <laughs> um but that you know, my intent is everything. I just wanted to do it, and you know, so good. It's that's just great. You see any of you in that music, or that I just wrote? Is there a little bit of uh, you think? Um, I like those really solid chords in the middle. That made me feel really like stable. That's why well, I listen to Jared all the time now. And it's like right. Oh, well, that that you mean the okay. The B section of this piece is all Bill Evans. That whole section is Bill Evans, thoroughly Bill Evans. But everything else around it, some other things in there. So, yeah. um, well, this was fun. We could do it again sometime. Just hang out. Yeah, well, that's what this is. This is a hang, right? It is a hang, yeah. Um, well, do you want to talk before we conclude about uh, sessions that are or gigs that, are, that stick in your mind? Like I know, like I know. Stone Corner. Stone Corner. So, what was magical to those that weren't there? What was so magical about Todd Barkin and Keystone Corner? Oh my God! Well, it was like being in that um, what's that movie with Gandalf and the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it was yeah. like being in Lord of the Rings, right. and there were like these forces for good and forces for evil, and they were battling it out. And you know, it's just that that whole scene in that early 80s and probably the late 70s cocaine was such a that train was wreck. it was just a train wreck just driving straight through the whole uh, everything just like mm. and everyone at the keystone was high like everybody was it was a rip roaring thing Party. and uh yeah, and then when the when the recording came out, I was really upset with Todd Barkin. It was one of the oh. very first bootlegs to come out, and he had taken it to Japan with him, and um, oh. uh, he he never paid Bill for the recording, and he oh, he. God. Um, it was all news to me. I didn't know any of this. I'm sorry. Well, I did not know any well, of this. I didn't. It's all water under the bridge, right? I mean, everybody oh, wanted to hear those recordings. So Todd was the guy who made it happen. He took them to Japan. They were produced in Japan. Um, and so that was the first time I heard them was when those recordings came out. Okay. Uh, of course, being there, you know, it's just a whole other experience. Being there was very stressful because Bill was so sick. He was, right. he was uh, you know, just next to death's door every day so it was <laughs> the thing about the music and his playing is that like he's yeah. like a, he's playing like a newborn baby <laughs> or playing like a man with his hair on fire you know like they say yeah, that about spirituality. yeah it's just you have um, to approach something like if you want to ascend and, and go the next level you have to approach <laughs> it with your hair on fire and he put such a big fire under himself. And also yeah. the, music, the music sounds so healthy. 
what I mean is the music is so health is so health, to me helpful and just sort of kind of just um, because so Phil was cool. actually going to a very deep place. He was doing. He was like a hero, riding into the yeah. into the hell to yeah. uh, do his battle with his own demons, kind of like Christ. You know, to, I don't know if Christ had demons, but Bill had demons, and he put himself on that cross, and everybody got to look at it, and it was a horrific experience for him on that level of having to go through that kind of physical suffering in this lifetime. Yeah. It was horrific for him, but simultaneous to that he got to achieve a level of uh spirituality that um he couldn't have achieved any other way like that was his path and yeah so yeah so that's why i call it an ascension was that everything bill bill did was equally important to taking him to the place he was going to it was all part of that journey and you can't separate the things out. It's all part of the same journey. And it's all the levels, you know, like all those levels happening simultaneously. Yeah, you mentioned the levels before. I mean, I feel like you should come back on the show like you suggested, because I sort of feel like there's more to talk about. Maybe our and next show could be in an elevator and we're in an elevator and then we just press different floors and then we discuss different topics. That go oh, maybe the floors could open and we could be like, Fifth right. floor ladies lingerie and go straight in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, lingerie, that's, that's not the kind of show we have, but that's all right. Although, I don't know. This show is every kind of show, or all kinds of shows, but um, I just, um, I'm just um, so happy that you're here and then you made the time, you're busy. Don't, in two minutes, aren't you doing your writer's thing? With yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go, we're gonna write uh, David Roach. Well, tell David, Roach, David Roach, I'd love to have him on the show. So I want to show you this beautiful portrait of David Roach before I okay. go. Please do. This was done by um, a local painter, uh, Marie Spira. This is my friend, David Roach. Yes. Yeah, doesn't he look like a monk with that hoodie on? Yeah, it looks like Thomas Merton. Yeah, he does. Thomas Martin. But yeah, get him on your show. He's way more interesting. I think it would be a beautiful episode. I mean, of course, I'd also love to have Anne Lamont on the show. Sure, you know, yeah. You know Anne Lamont pretty well? Or? No, I don't know her at all. No. I'm not from San Francisco. And yeah, that's a, that's a San Francisco. Yeah. No, David knows her, of course. You could ask him about that. But uh, so yeah, and then other interesting people in my writing group are. Uh, the designer of my book, Riley O'Byrne, she is probably the foremost writer in our group. Like the rest of us have been writing and we have our own styles and stuff, but she's the youngest in the group. So she's from the new world. And uh, we actually just live for her writing. Like that's every time we write, it's really just about hearing what she's going to say. <laughs> so maybe you'll hear more about her, Riley O'Byrne. Yes. I want, I want to thank you again, and, and let's let's make a plan to come back. Of course, yeah. When the movie comes out. When the movie comes out, Mitch. Then right, I mean, that seems like a big project, and I think. Uh, it is, yeah. but it's time. It's time. It's time, as I said. Yeah. It's time. Thank you. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for having me, and we'll see you again on another 
May 31st oh, or that's right. sometime after the premiere of that movie. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.